I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, y'all. We're rerunning two episodes today. Enjoy the show. Hello. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we dust off a little piece of history every day. The day was February 28, 1874. It was the last day of Regina versus Castro, a criminal trial that lasted 188 court days, one of the longest cases in English legal history. The star of the trial was a man who claimed to be the heir to the Tichborne baronetcy. A baronetcy is a hereditary honor awarded by the British crown that's usually given to families of nobility or wealth. The Tichborns were a wealthy family in Hampshire, England. And the oldest Tichborn son, Roger, was next in line to be baronet. But he went missing. And when Roger's mom, Henriette Tichborn, desperately searched for any clues as to where Roger could be, the claimant stepped up saying he was Roger. It's a weird series of events that brings us to this day, the day on which the claimant was found guilty of perjury for lying about being Roger Tichborne. The Tichborne case is still shrouded in mystery, but like any good years-long scandalous drama should, the case took Victorian England by storm. Roger traveled a lot. After making his way around South America, Roger hopped on a ship called the Bella 
on April 20th, 1854 at Rio de Janeiro. The ship was headed to Kingston, Jamaica, and New York. But a few days later, wreckage and a lifeboat bearing the name Bella were found off the coast of Brazil. The ship and people on it were considered lost. Roger's father accepted the fact that his son was gone, but Roger's mother, Lady Titchborn, held out hope that her son was still out there somewhere. She even contacted Clairvoyant, who told her that her son was alive. And on top of that, there were whispers that the people who survived the Bella wreck were rescued and taken to Australia. So Lady Titchborn put out advertisements offering money to anyone who could provide information on Roger's whereabouts. Her appeals were unsuccessful initially. Roger's father died in 1862, so Roger was set to be the 11th baronet of Titchborn. Roger did have a brother, Alfred, who would have taken Roger's place and become baronet. But Lady Titchborn refused to give up on Roger. In 1865, a butcher named Thomas Castro in Wagga Wagga, Australia, stepped forward to say that he'd survived a shipwreck and had property in England. He claimed he was Roger Titchborn, and he wrote to Lady Titchborn to tell her that yes, he was alive. His answers to some of Lady Titchborn's questions were suspicious, but that didn't faze her. Her willingness to accept that Castro truly was Roger might have been affected by the fact that she had lost her other son, Alfred, in 1866. But this mystery man said a ship called the Osprey rescued him after the Bella crashed, and it took him to Australia, where he decided to stay and make a living. After reaching out to Lady Titchborn, the claimant, as he came to be known, moved to Sydney with plans to move to England. In Sydney, he ran into two people who had been servants for the Titchborn family. They both agreed that the butcher was Roger, though one changed his mind after the claimant asked him for money. But the claimant's actions didn't exactly inspire confidence that he was actually Roger. The claimant wrote a will in which he called his supposed mother, Lady Titchborn, the wrong name. But either way, Lady Titchborn helped the claimant fund travel back to England, and he arrived in England in 1866. When he got to England and met with Lady Titchborn, she accepted him as Roger and began paying him a yearly allowance of 1,000 pounds. But Lady Titchborn was one of the few people who were on his side. Much of the family and family friends weren't falling for the claimant's assertions. And with good reason. Based on appearance alone, he weighed a lot more than Roger had before he'd left. But there were more serious issues with his claim. For one, he didn't understand French or have an accent, even though Roger had. And he didn't remember anything about the boarding college Roger had attended. But he did remember details about Roger's childhood that would be hard for anyone else to fake. So there was room to believe he was telling the truth, especially after he claimed that the shipwreck had affected his memory. 
even with the claimant's misspellings and shaky memory, Lady Tichborne still believed he was her son. But she died in 1868, which meant the claimant no longer had his biggest supporter and source of income. But his time to prove his identity and claim his rights to the Tichborne estate did come when his civil trial began in May 1871. Investigators said that the claimant was actually Arthur Orton, the son of a butcher from London who had moved to Australia and took the name Tom Castro. He'd taken advantage of Lady Tichborne's ads to improve his finances and status, they suggested. The claimant denied he was Orton. But in the end, the claimant did not have tattoos that Roger had. So the claimant was arrested on perjury charges and sent to prison. The public was paying close attention to the trial, and the claimant appealed to people to support him. The working class was largely on his side, but the upper class sided with the Tichborns. And on April 21, 1873, the criminal trial began. Sir Alexander Cockburn was the president of the panel of judges who heard the case. Edward Keneally was the claimant's lawyer. Henry Hawkins led the prosecution team, and Hawkins ended up calling hundreds of witnesses to deny that the claimant was Roger or to confirm that he was Arthur Orton. A handwriting expert said that the claimant's writing was that of Arthur, not Roger. And the ship that the claimant said he arrived at Australia on didn't have records of it picking up any shipwrecked passengers. Basically, the evidence was stacked against the claimant. In the end, the jury took 30 minutes to deliberate. They said that the claimant was Arthur Orton, not Roger Tichborne, and they found him guilty of perjury. He was sentenced to prison for 14 years. Keneally, who had led a confrontational defense, was barred from practicing law after the jury condemned his behavior on trial. The claimant did 10 years in prison before he was released. In 1895, he confessed to being Arthur Orton, but he quickly retracted his statement, oddly enough. The claimant died destitute in 1898, and the verdict that he was actually Arthur Orton has since been widely accepted. But what really happened to Roger Tichborne remains to be seen. I'm Eves Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little bit more about history today than you did yesterday. If you feel like correcting my pronunciation or my accent on anything that I've said in the show, feel free to leave a very kind comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another day in history. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey everyone, I'm Eves, and welcome back to This Day in History class, a podcast where we unwrap a piece of history candy every day. The day was February 28, 1986. Swedish Prime Minister Olaf Palma was assassinated. The case remains unsolved, though the investigation of the murder is still underway. Olaf Palma got his law degree from the University of Stockholm in 1951. He soon joined the Social Democratic Labour Party and got a job in Sweden's defense ministry. In 1953, Palma was hired as the speechwriter and private secretary of Tog Erlander, the prime minister of Sweden from 1946 to 1969. Palma was elected as a member of parliament in 1957, and he continued to climb the political ladder. In 1963, he was appointed cabinet minister without portfolio. That title just means that he was elevated to the rank without being given responsibilities for a specific area of the government's activities. From 1965 to 1967, Palma was Minister of Communications, and in 1967, he was Minister of Education and Culture. As Minister of Education, he advocated for the inclusion of Marxist thought in curriculum, and in 1968, he marched against U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War. Palma morphed into an outspoken opponent of U.S. foreign policy, and as a result, relations between Sweden and the U.S. deteriorated. In 1969, he was elected chairman of the Social Democratic Party, and he became prime minister of Sweden. Palma continued to be critical of the U.S.'s involvement in the war in Vietnam. He forged connections with cultural leaders and politicians around the world, all the while gaining more international attention. He spoke out against apartheid in South Africa. He allied with Fidel Castro, prime minister of Cuba. At the same time, Sweden was undergoing extensive social reforms. Some of the issues that these reforms affected were subsidized housing, social security, maternity leave, and other family policies. This meant that taxes in Sweden were some of the highest in the world. 
Palma's first term as prime minister lasted until 1976, when the lack of support for the Social Democrats led Palma to fall from power. During this time, he acted as a mediator in the Iran hostage crisis, as well as the Iran-Iraq war. But he was once again elected prime minister, taking office in 1982. He continued to focus on international issues, addressing ones like disarmament and security, but he had evolved to become a little less politically controversial. On February 28, 1986, Palma and his wife, Lisbeth, were walking home from the movies in Stockholm. He did not have bodyguards with him at the time. Just before midnight, Palma was shot from behind. The first bullet, which hit him in the back, severed his spinal cord. A second bullet grazed Lisbeth. He was quickly transported to the hospital, but he was soon declared dead. Many conspiracy theories about who killed Palma emerged. A man named Christer Pedersen was arrested and convicted of his murder, but the conviction was overturned in 1989, and Pedersen died in 2004. Investigators have suspected the Swedish military, the South African Secret Service, and the Kurdistan Workers' Party. Though there were many witnesses to the shooting and thousands of people have been questioned, the murder has not been solved. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Give us a shout or a share on social media at TDIHC Podcast. Or if you are so inclined, you can send us a message at thisday at iheartmedia.com. We're here every day, so you know where to find us. Bye. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 